Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Morning. How are we doing, church? Good? Mm, It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you today. As the calendar turns to December, right? We're in December. I I realize that about two days into December because I'm takes, you know, Fridays are my off day. And so just kind of disconnect from everything. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It is December. What's cool about this is it's, uh, you know, the reality is 2023 is kind of behind us for the most part. We've got one month left and 2024 is upon us. And I appreciate the way the calendar falls and and how so much of this last month of the year calls us towards reflection, right? From Thanksgiving to Christmas and into the new year, we, we have this opportunity to reflect, hopefully with gratitude on what has been, to celebrate the advent, the coming of Christ, right? As we anticipate, we celebrate these things and, and then anticipate what's ahead both spiritually and physically as we turn to New Year. And so and we Americans fill our calendar with traditions and reflections and social engagements and, and all of these other things. And for some of us, we're excited about those. For some of us, we can't wait for those things to be over. And um, we just want to get on with things. And it's just, it's just a lot. And you know, that's even reflected in the life of our uh, church events even around here, is that we recognize that December is a, uh, an opportunity for community and togetherness. And so, you know, tonight, our first, Wednesday, or our first uh, Sunday worship, we, we come together and, in corporate worship, and we, um, we worship together the Lord. Uh, I just love, I, we, were just, we were just singing... Um, you have no rival, you have no equal, you have no... And I'm just reminded, like, worship is warfare. Like, do you know that? Like, the, the enemy prowls around seeking to divide and conquer things, and when we worship, we, we, we give things over to God, and we remind him of who he is, and we remind our soul who he is, right? And when we come together, even on uh, first Sunday worship, uh, we just do that the whole time, just proclaiming who God is over our situations, over our our things, and so um, I'm just looking forward to that tonight. And next Sunday night, we've got our uh, uh, home for Christmas event where we'll do cookies and crafts, and our kids will sing. My daughter's been doing the sign language stuff, and she's just making stuff up. Um, I'm like, I don't know if that's a word. I don't know if it's a good word or not. Um, but Miss April's teaching it to her, so I'm not sure. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, they're. They're, uh, they're looking forward to that. It's, it'll be so cool for, for our kids to just, um, to just sing over us this week and, 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 or uh, next week and anticipate the season and as we come together. But just opportunities to come together, right? And in the midst of, of this Christmas season. You know, it's a, it's a season of gratitude. It's a season of, of giving back, right? Of just giving because Christ first gave. I'm trying to teach our kids these these. The, the, the power of giving gifts, right? It's, it's nice to be a blessing. It's, it's nice to be blessed, but, and they just, they're excited about being blessed, right? 
Um, and so I'm trying to teach them. And, you know, so we did the, you know, the, the project we care, the gift tag. By the way, thank you for those of you who took part in that. We had no tags remaining. And if you forgot to bring your gift or you forgot to even get it, just bring it Wednesday night um, for, for, for kids in need. Because when I'm teaching my kids um, that it's more uh, blessed to give than to receive. But we don't do that until we... We understand that once we begin to experience it and mature, right? Um, but so much is wrapped up in this, in this season of, of Advent, this, this Christmas season, this, um, this season of, of, of reflection, of, of celebration and anticipation. You know, and there's, there's reason to celebrate and there's reason to anticipate for those who are in Christ, even if this has been the worst year ever for you, even if you've dealt with loss, even if you've dealt with disease and cancer and in brokenness. The coming of Christ reminds us all the more the season of Christ's coming, of the hope that's set before us. That when we light that candle, it's a reminder of the hope that's set before us in Christ. And, and that beyond the traditions and the routines, the greater reality is that this season is meant to just bring remembrance in a, a world that was in darkness, but the light had come, Christ had come, right? And as, as believers, this is what we hold fast to, and this, this long-awaited coming Messiah had come. He is the illumination of God's promise that he was given to our forefathers and, and our prophets long ago. We, we, we read this, uh, Dan and Cassie read this for us this morning, that after uh, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers uh, and the prophets in many ways, portions in many ways. Uh, in these last days, he has spoken to us and his son. That God gradually revealed himself over time, that after the fall and after Adam and Eve left the garden and after sin had entered the world and severed that tie with God, that gradually he's, he would reveal himself in bits and pieces over time to his children. And so he revealed his character through his people, to his people, in dimly lit fragments, right? Um, but no prophet or person could ever grasp the whole of Jesus, uh, a whole of God, and reconcile us the way that Jesus did. And so, and so they, they're, they're dimly lit pieces, but now Christ has come. Now we have the full revelation. You know, I, I think of it in the way that like the sun and the moon work. Um, in, in regards to light, right? So like the sun radiates the light, the power, the, it, it illuminates, and the moon is just a reflection of that, right? And, and it, it's, it seems like in the Old Testament that, that these prophets would only reflect a certain attribute of God to his people, um, and gradually over time through different prophets in different contexts and different times and places, like the prophet, uh, so like Amos, his cry was for social justice. Isaiah was grasping the holiness of God, that attribute of God. Hosea, it's realizing the wonder of, of a forgiving God through, through broken uh, experiences. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we have these, these prophets that, that just kind of set the table and reveal little attributes of God throughout the way. Even the promises then that he made to people like Abraham have greater implications when Christ comes. But for us now, we have hindsight, right? We have, we have the fulfillment of Christ, and we can see this all and how it all played out because Christ himself came, and that's the, the season of Advent, that Christ is the perfect illumination of God 
and his promises. And so now when we look at the Old Testament, we don't look at them, we don't look at it as, as obsolete or outdated or, or whatever, but it's a reflection that points us towards the now revealed Messiah. Does that make sense? Like now we look forward to it and we don't throw it out. We don't just stay in the New Testament, but we say it leads us to wonder because it's like, wow, look at the way God was moving. All that culminates around Christ. And at the foot of the cross now, everything since then, we look back, right? Now it's, it's like the cross is the pinnacle. And so everything in the Old Testament, everything in the New Testament, now the foundation is Jesus. And so, and so we, we can learn character and attributes about God and, and wonder about God through, through characters in the Old Testament. But Christ is the ultimate revelation of the things spoke to him. And, and we see this in the rest of the passage, whom he God appointed heir of all things, right? This is, this is when, when we walk through our, our series in Colossians, we talked about the firstborn of all creation and, and all these things about who Christ was and the author of Hebrews is saying the same type of stuff, that he's appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory in the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of the power, and I think that's just three quick verses, and it's so easy to just overlook that and to move on to the rest of the book and the rest of the chapters. But man, so much is packed in those three verses about who God is, and so much just hangs on those first three verses of, of Hebrews that, that we want to spend some time this month unpacking that a little bit and maybe even looking back to... Um, those in the that, that showed us a way that pointed us towards, towards Christ. And so we take a look today at Abraham. Abraham is uh, Father Abraham, right? You learn this maybe if you, uh, next door, I think they hope they sing that. Father Abraham and many sons, we know this, right? Many, so we're going to sing that as we close today. <laughs> and we're going to do right arm, left arm, and... And, and sing it out. But we turn to Abraham today, the father of our faith. And Abraham's mentioned many times in the Old Testament, but, and, and they keep going back to him, even, even those after Abraham's time. And even in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and Paul's letters, and, and in Hebrews, we see them looking back towards Abraham. Not because Abraham was a fulfillment of some promise, but how the reality of who Christ was, it's like, hey, look what God was doing all the time, even through Abraham, um, these, this foreshadowing of promises that we're told that Jesus the Messiah is the illumination of God's promises that he even gave to Abraham. And so as we open our scripture today, I invite you to uh, turn to Genesis 12. It's kind of where the story begins. End of 11, beginning of 12 is, is where our, our passage is today. Uh, it, a little bit. We'll, we'll kind of work all throughout and just do a little character study on Abraham and some promises. But let's pray. Father, um, just invite you into this space today. Thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I ask that you would uh, uh, speak through me, Father. That the, that the seeds that are sown today would, would fall on soil ready to receive, ready to cultivate, ready to grow. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have the Bible app or if you have your, uh, if you have your old school Bible, which is even better, I invite you to turn there. Uh, Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever, curse, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so right away, um, what I want to do today is, is just share with you three promises that, that reading through this and the seeds of this that, um, that God gave to Abraham, but how we find a more fulfilling promise in Christ. And the first one is the promise of place. The promise of place. The first promise here, the promise of place, right away God promises Abraham a home. He leads him on a journey and he discovers a land promised to him by God. Not just this physical place, but we understand home represents more than that, right? And so what he's doing here, what God's doing here is he leads him into this physical place that represents security and stability with God and in right standing with God. He says, he says hey, you know, because of your faith, you're counted as righteous and I want you to be, um, I have a land that I promised to you. And so later on in Genesis 13, and we're just going to do an overview of a few chapters of Genesis today with Abraham's story because I want to get to Christ, but um, we see that this, this promise of land play out where, where he and his nephew Lot, they go on this uh, they go together and, and, and Lot picks his land and, and Abraham and, and then God says, hey, all the land that you see, I'll give you. Look to the north, the south, the east, the west. I'll give, you, I'll give you this land. And so God was true with his promise and this promise of place. And then in 1316, he says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that anyone could count the dust and your offspring could be counted, which no one can do that, right? He's saying, I will multiply you, but there's only one problem. Abraham doesn't have any, any descendants, any lineage to speak of. He doesn't have his own son, and so God promises a son through that, Isaac. And through the series of, uh, of, of journeying, he takes him to Genesis 15 where he says, look up at the stars and count them. He reminds him again, if indeed you can count them, then he says, so shall your offspring be. And so through this, Isaac, or, uh, Abraham and, and Sarah have a, have a son. And the second promise after place, this nation building, is the promise of descendants, right? And so sticking with the peace today, I said the promise of posterity. If that's a new word to you, you're welcome. It's a new word. Um, but this, poster, this idea of nation building, you don't, nations don't come through land, they come through people, right? A lineage uh, or, or, or descendants or, or people. You know, we are, we are a nation not because of the physical space that we consume, but because of, of, of the people that make it up. And so back in Genesis 12, he, he promises him to be a great nation. That means that I have, to, I have to have people go beyond me, right? And those promises were to his, his descendants. And so the second promise was the promise of posterity, the, posterity, the promise of, of these Many descendants. And then we get to our third one, which is the promise of position. Because all throughout that time, his name was Abram. And God changed his name. You know, Abram, uh, it means high father or exalted father. And Abraham means high or exalted father of many. 
And so what he did was he was true to his promise and he changed his identity to reflect his, his, his promise to Abraham. And so through that, God promises him again that you'll be the father of many nations, that I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and your descendants for generations to come. I'll give it as an everlasting possession to you and I will be their God. And so he promised him a new life and he gave Abram a new name, Abraham. And he changes his name and I shared with you what that means. And so Abraham was blessed by God and established as the father of many. Thus we have our song that we sing, right? But God didn't stop there. Because while the biological blessings and lineage were realized through Isaac and Jacob and the tribes and so on and so forth, and as God gradually revealed himself through there, all along the way we have this anticipation of a coming Messiah, of one who will will redeem the world. And so that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying, is in these last days as he spoke through these prophets and that they were in waiting, they were in waiting for this coming Messiah. It's almost like uh, um, where bits and pieces were, 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 were revealed. And are any of you like puzzle people? Ah, oh, I hate puzzles. <laughs> they require patience and diligence and seeking, right? And discovery and waiting. And, and it just takes so much work. I'm like, who would, like, it just, they frustrate me. My wife loves puzzles, and I don't get it. I'm like, it just stresses me out looking at that mess of pieces. And all throughout, leading up to Christ, bits and pieces and fragments of God revealed, you know, and, and, and attributes, right, being, being placed and being put in place, and oh, oh, this is an attribute, and this is who he is, and this is who he is. This is who he is, and it's almost as if Jesus just comes and he's like, hey, word became flesh and dwelled among us, here I am. It's like the, the cheat code. I would love that cheat code for a puzzle. It's like, I am, the revel- I, am, I, am, I am the true nature of God, and it's finished. And so like Abraham's position of blessing and renaming Christ fulfills all of these things. And so through these three promises of Abraham, here's how Christ fulfills them in a greater way. Number one, our position in Christ is realized. It's made clear. All of a sudden, what, was, what we were left in dark and in the waiting for, the Messiah had come, right? And in and he's the glory of God. Do you know the glory is the perfect manifestation of something? It's, it's, how it, it's the perfect expression of something. It's how it was always meant to be. And so when he says he's the glory, the radiance of God, saying this is the exact representation of God. This is God. And as Christ comes, we, realize our, we realize, begin to realize our position in Christ. It becomes clear. That our position in him is highly favored. That we are invited, we are, we, are, we are given a new name. 
Just like Abram was given a new name, Abraham, so too our position of blessing, the promise of blessing, right, of those who are in Christ are are, are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and so this new identity comes with us. Just like the the blessing and the position of Abraham changed, so too with us, that when we we yield to Christ and when we recognize uh, the churchy word for that is is justification, and when we acknowledge, right, and, and claim Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, that that this peace comes where everything is just wiped clean, new slate, and he gives us a new identity. And now you're, you're, you're a son, you're a daughter of the king. That's your position now. That we're highly favored because God has, has freed us, has given us grace. Those who are in Christ, he's, because Christ has redeemed us, he's bought us back. Bought us back. You know, Galatians 3 talks a lot about, Paul talks about Abraham a lot in Galatians 3 and 14. He says, He says, and he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and me, to all of us, all people through Christ, so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is available to all of us now, that what was once available to a specific group of people through a specific type of obedience, through, through circumcision and this covenant that came with Abraham and, and, and whatever, now it's, 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 it's given to us, right? Through, through the mode of just calling upon the Lord through faith, baptism through the through communion, Coming to the table, every time we come to the table, we're reminded of our position in Christ. Our position in Christ. That we're part of this family that, we, that is now blessed and highly favored. And this is the truest, the truer promise. That our position is found in Him. The new name, the new identity, the new promise of position. We're forgiven of sin by those who profess. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit the promise of the Spirit in us. So now we're not only just a reflection of the light, the light dwells in us and shines forth. Isn't that amazing? All because of promise that Christ fulfilled for us. Number two, God shows us our posterity through Christ. Descendants, right? This means that we're adopted this means that we have a new family, a new, a new heritage. Ephesians, Ephesians 1 tells us that he predestined, predestined us for the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ. Did you know that when he created you, he had a plan and a means for you to be part of his family? He created you with purpose, with intentionality, with design. And he determined in advance a way for you to live into the family of God through this lineage that you're a descendant from the high, exalted father of many. And so out of your position as sons and daughters of the king, he calls you to royalty, he calls you to be obedient, Because here's, here's the reality of it is, 
when you're part of a family, there's duty, right? And for those who are in Christ, a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come, so now we have a new mandate. And so, so part of being a descendant of Christ, a descendant, an heir of the king, a son and daughter of the father, is that we're, we, we have a duty to make Christ known. It's the Great Commission. It's the church, right? It's now we have to go and to tell. You know, I love the words of, of, of God to, to Abraham because he says, I'm going to bless you so that way what? You can be a blessing to others, right? And, 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 and in Christ, when we realize our new identity is in him and we're ushered into his new family, now we are called to be a blessing to others, to go and to do likewise, right? To, to share the thing that has, been, that, has been, that has been given to us. We're called to live it. We're called to desire to know him. Do you desire to know the Father more? To understand the heritage that you're, that you're committing to being a part of, that you've, you've responded to, to be more like Christ. Beckons us to desire to know him. You know, in the, in the worldly sense, um, our, first, uh, our first child was a miscarriage. And um, when that happens, you start to believe also. You start to, all these lies begin to creep in, right? Of, will you be able to have kids, right? And, 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 and or not. And my greatest longings in life was to be a dad, to, to have children, to carry on the Hartford name, the Hartford identity, the Hartford values. And I remind myself of that when I am running around with my three. Because <laughs> I was focused on my, my family. Right? And, the, the, and, and, and being able to pass on to descendants what I had been given. And here's the thing. Here's the reality of the family of God. Is that there's a greater reality beyond the biology. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham and he just blew it away through Christ. He says, yeah, I was faithful in that promise, but let me show you a greater one that's available to everybody. Every person. It's your spiritual offering, offspring, your spiritual family. For some of you, maybe life's led you to barrenness. And I've watched, I had, I had uh, Sunday school teachers in my in growing up. They don't have any kids of their own. They are the best spiritual moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas our church, that, that my home church had. One of the best in the way that they cared and the way that they just embodied who they were in God's kingdom, in God's economy. And you want to know They'll have countless people thanking them for it and for all of eternity. 
for the seeds that they sowed, for the values, the kingdom values that they, that they poured in so many people's lives. The identity, the purpose, the mission, speaking life into people. They didn't allow that to define them, but they knew a greater reality was here in Christ. This posterity through Christ that we're all descendant, we're all family. So we have a new identity to live into. We have a new family to be a part of. The last thing today is our place with Christ. A place. That's one of the deepest longings, right? I don't know how many of you are familiar with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like the, like the physical security piece is like at the bottom. Like food, water, shelter. Isn't that cool that God, that's like the first thing he promised Abraham? He took care of that. He started, it's, it's, it's fun when society catches up with Scripture and, and they, they realize the things that have been true all along because you have a Father that cares for you and he's going to meet your needs every step of the way. And our place with Christ fulfills the greatest need, our greatest desire is to have a home. And through Christ, the promise is fulfilled, both now and for eternity. That we have a home that's been promised to us. A home that extends beyond the physical into every part of our being. It offers us a place of belonging, right? A place of comfort. A place of security. Christ is our home. Yeah, I watch my kids at my home, in our, in our home. And they are the, there's so much freedom there. There's so much life there. Because they have the, the stability of place that they can live out who they are, and, 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 and the, uh, we, they, we can live out our family values together. I think how much truer for the body of Christ that when our, our, our place is in Christ, that there's so much freedom there, so much freedom found. And just boldly living in to who he designed me to be, who cre- he created me to be. Colossians 1 reminds us that he delivered us out of the domain of sin and darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Gave us a new identity. Gave us a new, a new call, a new mandate, right? In church, we call it, call it a sanctified life. We're, we're adopted, we're regenerated, and then we... we, we pursue this life of holiness, of being more like him, of of seeking those values, of seeking those things, of dying to ourselves, living into his family, his, who he is. And then the promise of a place. You know, for some of you, you hear the word promise and just 
You've dealt with broken promises. You're like, I hate that word. I'm sick of promises. People promising me things, this and that. Everybody tries to make promises, right? And maybe you're the product of broken promise with a spouse or maybe as a child, a broken promise from a parent. I just don't know who I can trust. Trusty roads. Emotional baggage is, is there. Friends, I just want you to know I've experienced this too much to not believe it. The promise that is true, that is offered in Christ, it's there. It's there for the taking. It's there for you to receive it. Now, Jesus also said he promises pain and hardship, and in this life you'll have many trials. So there's a promise. But take heart. I have overcome the world, and the place that I have for you is greater than you could ever think or imagine. And so as believers now, we seek to bring heaven onto earth, living into who we are in Christ, longing for the day of the second coming, the second advent, right, as the family of God. And every time we're going to come to the table, I just invite you, we've got, we've got um, elements at the back of the room today. If you grabbed one of these, I just want you to just take hold of it. This is how I want to end. Um, I want to do it a little differently today. I want to begin in just reflection. Maybe you struggled with these promises. Just ask God to reveal those things to you, to allow you to trust him. Because every time we do this, we're reminded of the promise. He did and the promise that we're called to live into. Sarah's going to play over us. But you know, the other piece of this is this is our blessing, right? This is our inheritance. Look around the room at the empty seats. isn't aware of this blessing in their life, of this promise that is offered through Christ in their life that you know. Because I believe before we come to the table today, we need to ask the Lord to burden our hearts with someone who doesn't yet know him and his promises. That this season of Advent is the perfect time to invite someone to church for the first time, to invite them into your home, to pray for opportunities, explicitly share Christ with them. People have a deep sense of belonging and there's a lot of wandering out there because they're looking for a promise that they haven't found yet. We say, God, why is that so? And he said, well, why I created you. 
be my hands and feet. Share the promise with the nations to be a blessing out of the blessing that I've given you. So I'm going to prepare the table, if you will. But before you receive this, will you just go to God? First off, it calls us to, to reflect and to repent, right? The things we have done, but then, then grasping hold of the promise that's true in this. Lord, who is it that you would burden my heart for this Christmas season? That I might, I might welcome them into this family the way I was welcomed in once. The way this family has taken me in, I want to I take someone else in. It requires us to go to do that. And so, Father, we recognize, we thank you for the body of Christ, the body broken for us, for the forgiveness of sin that, that, that in a truer, greater fulfillment of a promise once given of a promise that's for all people. So every time we take of this bread and drink of this cup, we reminded ourselves. We reflect first, we remind ourselves of the distance that you covered in going to the cross for us, the chasm that was there, the separation that was there, and you brought us into alignment, into unity with you. As sons and daughters, through Christ, who is the radiance of your glory, the perfect manifestation you revealed him to us, and he was a sacrifice for us. He took our place. So, Father, as we take of this bread and drink of this cup, we drink ourselves into this family of God. But also, Lord, before we do that, Lord, may you burden our hearts with those who are far off, who don't yet know you, who have wandered, impress upon us what it is that you would like us to do about that. To be a blessing means to share the gospel, to share the good news, to share the blessing. Father, we do that today. Lord, after we've heard from you, Lord, I pray that we would drink and eat. In Jesus' name, I invite you to do that. Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Let's stand today. You know, with our text is around Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And so Pastor Justin wrote up a little commissioning for us today, just a proclamation, a little bit of what we shared in our Advent reading today. Thank you, Dan and Cassie. 
leading us in that this morning. But can we proclaim this together before we go, as we go? It says this, He is the one appointed as heir of all things. He is the one through whom the whole universe was created. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the upholder of all things by the word of his power. He is our access to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Hey, the Lord bless you, be gracious to you this week and keep you. Have a great Sunday. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.